Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to another episode of Pat's Chat. It is myself, Matt, and I am joined by a very, very special guest. You'll probably figure out who it is because you've read the title of the episode. However, uh, an introduction is required, um, at least as well, yeah, because she deserves it. She is a um, sports broadcaster on TV and radio. You will see her on the NFL Overtime Show, not the Overdrive Show, as a certain person might have mentioned on his Twitter. Um, she is the host of our very own podcast now as well, um, called Rise With Us. It is the very special Hannah Wilkes. How are you going? How's it going, Hannah? I'm very well, thank you. Um, thanks for having me on, and thanks for that lovely intro. It is NFL overtime, as we did have to point out to the wonderful Jeff Reinbold, who, who tweeted about how great it was to be involved in Overdrive, which is a show that probably exists, but definitely not the one we make. No, it's maybe <laughs> involves cars or bikes or something. But... Yeah. Not, yeah, I not think throwing I think a ball around. No, God love him. Um, but yeah, good to good to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's um, been a couple of months in the making, I think, between messages back and forth. You got we were going to talk before Christmas, weren't we? And then everything just went a bit mad. As you mentioned, we've got this new podcast, but it's also a TV show as well, um, Rise With Us. So we got really busy trying to cram in as much filming for that as we could before Christmas because we sensed bad, bad things were maybe coming in terms of lockdowns. So we were just manically trying to film as much as we could. Um, so... Yeah, glad we did because we've had to cancel a couple of shoots um, mm. that were set for, for this month. But yeah, Rise of Us is, is out now on demand and on, on your podcast catches. Um, and it's brilliant sportswomen telling you how they get through the day and how they motivate themselves. And it's all very applicable, I think, because um, in life at the moment for all of us, even just having some structure, if you're working from home or if you're furloughed, or whatever, can be really hard. So it's, um, it's all useful stuff, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was... Uh, luckily, unluckily, furloughed. Um, I'm back at the very first lockdown, and so it was just myself and my daughter, wife, hold up upstairs, and um, working away. And yeah, the no structure and just the, I mean, f- the full on. I'm not playing my own violin here, but the full on va- days with her, entertaining a kid, especially when you just had the house in the garden at that time. At least this time, you could maybe go out to a park or something. But you know, at this particular time in the past almost 12 months now sadly that this has been ongoing um mental health and well-being is definitely something and it's yeah. good that for yourself and for a lot of other people which I was going to I'll get to later on as uh, one of my points I was going to raise with you is females in sport and you know it's I think a lot of people um females in particular need more and more role models at the forefront of things is my thought process anyway <laughs> I agree I agree Um, and that's why partly why I've got you on um, to the podcast um, because I've managed to get a few females on um, over the course of the season and um, it's something and now I've said this before I'll admit it's not something I would have thought of previously because um, I didn't have a daughter previously but now that I've got her 
part of me feels that I should be sort of keeping an eye on these kind of things. So when she's older, there's people like yourself and Kay and others that are um, on TV, whether it's radio, even just, you know, the lollipop lady or something, someone that they can look up to and um, aspire to be, really. Well, that's just it, isn't it? It's It doesn't matter what the what the thing is, what the industry is, what the sector is. Um, there's like saying, isn't there, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And I mean, for all of us, I think having a real, like really diverse section selection of role models is really important. Um, and they don't necessarily have to be the same gender as you, but it helps if you can see yourself reflected in, in the thing you're interested in, be that sport, be that news, be that arts. As You, you need to see people that look like you, so you feel connected and like it's, it's something that you can do too, even though fortunately there are trailblazers who pave the way for the rest of us at times. Mm, yeah, definitely. So if we go all the way back as far as you want to, um, when you were a little in running around and whatever, was sport something that was always there or was it something you became interested in for through yourself and not through like family or friends or whatever? Um, no, sport was always around. So my mum and dad are big sports fans. So my dad loves his Formula One. So some of my earliest sporting memories are actually being like crammed on the sofa with my dad, watching Damon Hill, Silverstone and, and Michael Schumacher and all the rest of it. And my mum is a rugby nut. Um, so from the age of about eight, I think, we had season tickets to Northampton Saints. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, so watch loads of rugby, but then also as well, my mum's one of those people, if sport is on, she will watch it. It kind of doesn't matter what it is. Um, so she, you know, it can be some random athletics event that she's never heard of before, but if there's people competing on TV, she'll probably put it on. Um, so yeah, so grew up around sport and in, in that regard and sort of knew, knew people that played sport and it was something we did. I personally wasn't the sportiest child. I was more into um my dancing and my drama and my attempting to sing because I wanted to be on the stage. Um, <laughs> but, um, but of course, as well, you know, I played netball and hockey all through school, um, which I credit for so much because actually I, I say this quite quite a lot, and especially when I cause obviously cover netball now as well when the season's on. And I look at who my closest friends are now and most of them are people I played netball with when I was 11 years old. So it gives you that lovely like connection or maybe speaks to my inability to make new friends. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it was all around sport and playing sport and keeping active. And it was, it was kind of when I went to uni that sport became all consuming because I went to Loughborough and there's a lot of sport at Loughborough and not really much else. It's sport and it's drinking, um, which is a great way it's to spend your time. Really. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they had a great student media set up there. Like this incredible TV station and radio and magazine. And I just got involved with that. And you start learning how to tell stories and you've got this plethora of sports going on. So you start telling those stories and, and learning what's what. So it's kind of, yeah, a natural development. Sport's always been in my life and I, love it and I have to say that in these weird times we continue to be in sports pretty much the only thing I can even watch on tv at the moment like it's mm. um it's the ultimate reality tv isn't it really so yeah yeah definitely um I mean I've I must admit I've taken a bit of a back seat to the Premier League um recently because I just think um the whole crowd not being there is a, a huge part of what um generates a lot of interest in it especially to a wider audience you know the the Premier League sell a lot to me anyway they sell a lot of what they do based on the crowds and you know the the 
derby with Liverpool and United is on this weekend and you know whether you're in Thailand or the States or whatever the crowd has always been a big thing and ha- not having that I think has taken away an element but with NFL I think it's completely flipped it for for me personally you don't really notice that the crowd's not there because it's so you get more focused on what's actually happening in the field what the calls are what waiting for the jump off side or whatever it might be I think it's completely flipped it for me personally. Well, I think there are two things to that. I think, I think, personally, Premier League, I have to say, I have to give a massive, like, a kudos to my colleagues in the sound department at Sky who allow, like, mm, yeah. crowd noise DJs. It is remarkable. Because when football first came back, I was like, oh, I actually don't mind it quite. It's quite interesting to hear the interactions. And as soon as they brought that in, I was like, I take it all back. You need the background <laughs> noise to give you some atmosphere. I think, though, why you notice it perhaps less with NFL I think it's got a lot to do with how it's covered and where the camera angles are because you don't tend to see the crowd mm-hmm. unless they cut away from them like you know on, on most plays because they're that much further back from the edge of the field than they are at football grounds like mm-hmm. in this country so I think that maybe has something to do with it um but I think it's it's interesting isn't it because and also as well NFL they, they have had some teams have had crowds the whole way through obviously the Bills they're sort of governor or whatever it is in that area kind of said you know what you can have fans back for the playoff because you waited 25 years for this (laughs) so there are still people there I mean some of the Browns games as well you're like there's a lot of people in those stands um so I think I think generally for for me personally any sport happening whether behind closed doors um or not is is great and I'd rather it be happening and empty than not happening at all because what on earth did we do last April? There was nothing to do. <laughs> the the um, Tiger King was literally king. I think was the. I think I think that explains why we all watch Tiger King because I think in any other month with any normal level of entertainment, we would not have sat and watched that. I know I wouldn't. Hands up! I've After not seen one, one second of it. <laughs> don't watch it. One episode in, I was like, I don't think I like this. I don't like seeing animals in cages at the best of times. Mm. And then, and then also these people have really complicated, quite sad, tragic lives in a lot of ways. And we're watching it for entertainment. But hey-ho, we all did it. Um, you know? Yeah. There we are. Strictly became my, uh, is always my thing. But that, I think that worked um, without the, the crowd so much because they still got the interaction from the actual participants and stuff. But that's for another time, another podcast, I think. <laughs> um, Your side side hustle Strictly Come Dancing podcast. Look for that next September, folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, with the NFL, um, you obviously you grew up around sport and everything. And I've listened to another podcast that you were on a while ago. Um, I think it was back in November. Um, the the way you got into the NFL and how you became a Rams fan. Do you, for anyone that might have not heard that story, do you mind um, telling us that again? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really, other than sort of knowing and occasionally seeing the American football team at Loughborough sort of do stuff, I didn't really, I didn't grow up around the NFL at all. It wasn't until I started working at Sky that I really had the opportunity to sort of watch it. Um, and I remember, the, I think I back in the day, and this was quite a while ago, we used to do um, studios for the Thursday night football. So like this brutal overnight shift. And I think that was one of the first times that was one of the first times I'd ever really sat and watched a game. <laughs> so I was like, what earth is going on here? Um and then later that same season or even a few weeks later, it was um there was a Wembley game on and 
I was a runner on it and I got loaned out to Fox, who were the host broadcaster. Um, and they were amazing and they got their guys wanted for nothing. So I was up in the sort of gantry booth with their commentators. And uh, Daryl Johnston was like, do you know football? And I was like, no, not really. So I got my first lesson in football from the legendary Daryl Johnston, which was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, from there, I just got more and more into it. And then kind of watching it quite casually still. And then when I really got into it, I was like, right, I need a team. Who's my team going to be? And this is the thing, isn't it? When you come to a sport, like as a grown up, um, which is a strange thing to call myself, but there we go, <laughs> rather than like growing up with a team, and like, who will it be? And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll try this team on for size and this team. And none felt quite right. I didn't feel that connection. Um, I was leaning Packers. My friend lives in the States, is a huge Steelers fan. She was like, absolutely no way, not allowed. I was like, okay. Um, and yeah, and it was around that time that the Rams were moving from St. Louis to Los Angeles and they had the All or Nothing series mm. came out. Um, and watching that, you actually get to know the, the people in the setup and the organization. Um, so I just felt a bit more of a connection with them than I kind of had with any other team really um and been to los angeles so that felt you know less random um, and as it turns out their uh, uniforms are the same color as like my primary school uniform um <laughs> so yes yeah, so it's quite it's quite random it's a little bit illogical um but yeah it's just who i actually felt i kind of knew and had a connection with really mm, so and it coincided with them going sort of on the up and up so it was a, <laughs> it was a good bandwagon to jump on yeah it's not too bad do you regret, regret picking a team on the west coast <laughs> um sometimes yes (laughs) (laughs) I I have got what I've got quite good at is I mean I know so many people over here are religious about sort of staying up for the games I can't do it like I just I cannot um I I I can't I can't deprive myself of sleep but what I've got quite good at is turning off the phone ignoring everything getting up early and watching the games back (laughs) so there's that although if there's some of them you just think, oh, I'll just look and see what the score was. So, you know, when it's the Jets, you're like, oh, I'll just look and see how much we beat them. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes West Coast is annoying, but I like it when they, beginning of this season, they travel to the East Coast sort of back-to-back weekends. That was mm-hmm. good for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. The slot. <laughs> one of my friends, he's big in his baseball and was, I think he, I think I'm right in saying this, he was San Francisco Giants before 49ers fan. And I think now and again, he thinks, oh, why, why have I got this affiliation with San Fran? Why didn't I pick Washington or something instead? But I mean, San Fran's he, a cool city, though. So, yeah, there is that to it. And, uh, he, and the Giants wear that lovely bright orange. I went to a Giants game years and years ago um, and got a really cool bright orange t shirt. And I don't know what happened to it. Anyway, side note. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably a better color than the, the Browns' orange, I think. It's... Yeah, although I do quite like the sort of retro look of their uniforms. It's um, it's quite cool. I know, I know they're the browns and that, but I just, that colour just no, and it just clashes with everything that I think I'm <laughs> I'm for. And but anyway, we're <laughs> um, with the NFL and the NFL UK. Obviously, it's grown and grown and grown um, to the point we're at now. Do you think that? we're at a point that it's it's going to stop or do you think the me personally I think this the sky sports thing and people like yourself and the the overtime show and stuff is hopefully going to push it more in the focus of more people and it'll continue however much I'm not sure but you know that surely that's it's going to be a good thing isn't it that we get more and more people in as much as possible 
Absolutely. I think there is, I think the sport is only going to grow over here because you see it year on year. So the first, first Wembley game I worked on, I think was back in 2011. So like 10 years this autumn. Um, and that was one game. And I think there was still like a few empty seats and you could probably get like a ticket if you kind of asked, asked around. Um, and now they are gold dust selling out four games per season over here. And what I find as well is, is talking to people and even just like with my friends, um, people kind of go, oh, I don't really know much about it. Or I don't really get it. I'm like, just watch it. It's quite a simple game. When you first break it down, basic level, you've got four attempts to move 10 yards down the field. And if you do that, you do it again. And you just get to the end zone. It's like a basic level. It's really, really simple. And once people start to open up to it, then they're like, okay, I get it. And there's, you know, the, the American sport, they always put on such a great show. It's entertainment, isn't it? So I think there is room for growth because I... I see it. And I also see as well, you know, you, you see people that maybe go along with a friend to one of the London games. And the next time we see them, they're in a jersey and they're talking about like how they're now a huge Ravens fan, even though they obviously didn't watch the Ravens. But they're like, I just love the Ra- I love the colours. Um, so I think there's huge growth for it. And I think we have to, as a sort of NFL community, be really open to that and not be too protective of of the sport because obviously it's not always been the easiest sport to access in this country. People have had to be really dedicated and it is incredible. And there are so many super knowledgeable fans over here. Um, But we have to be welcoming to everyone. And, you know, that's part of what we're trying to do with Overtime is it's a show you can watch, we hope, without knowing everything about the sport. You can know very little about the sport, but still learn something and find out more and be entertained by by what's going on on and off the field I think that's a great way to get fans in and and involved and open it up to a female audience a younger audience just a a more diverse group and you know we've got the channel and we've got this five-year deal and that's what we'll be um, aiming to do across Mm. the next few years because that's what it's there for I think there's so much room for growth Um, and I think I think, yeah, I think people, once they kind of go, okay, what this is actually about, people get more into it. Because on base level, people go, don't understand it. Like, it starts and stops all the time. But once you sort of <laughs> explain it to people, they go, yeah. okay, fine. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of my two best friends. I'm desperately, desperately trying to get them into it. And they just keep on pushing me back. And um, I'm, I'm certain, I've said that, I said them on Sunday, Monday, because um, I sent them some of the footage from the Nickelodeon thing, and yes. I was like, "Look at this! This will get you entertained." And I said, "I was sent uh, my friend who I was watching with at the time, and because um, we uh, on a Sunday we'll do like a Skype chat thing and stuff, so we're not just ourselves sitting at midnight kind of thing." And I said, "This is what my wife needs to get into the sport because she's not sporty <laughs> at all, not in the slightest. Like I've got it on the telly, get that crap off, you know. I want to watch Netflix or whatever. Like right." I'll going to the iPad um, and sit next to you so at least we're in the same room uh, but you know this kind of thing so I showed her the clip with uh, the young Sheldon and um, yeah. explaining the rules and stuff and so even things like that getting as you say the younger generation into it and I think and this is the thing because it is a game that is so complicated I'm watching games sometimes and they make a call and I'm like I don't understand what that is or you know you're having to look it up because it's so complex and so many levels but the basics are so simple um and I'm the same. I've tried to be trying to convert my family a little bit because they've not really watched it, but they're like, okay, we, 
for example, when we do the London games previously, when we'd record it and just fast forward to the bits I'm on and not watch any of the actual <laughs> game. Whereas now they're like, okay, explain it to us. What is this? And you start to explain the tactics and the rest of it. And it's quite endlessly fascinating, I think. So mm. no, I think we just have to just have to be encouraging of it. And there's no stupid questions and we have to be willing to explain it and just welcome everyone in because people want to, if people want a team over here, then you've got to, you've got to have a, a huge fan base. Yeah, so do you think we'll get a team over here? I, personally, I would prefer to have eight games or six games or something rather than an actual team because I don't think a team will probably take as well as what they're maybe hoping it will because we're so, a lot of people are certainly so cemented, like myself and, and, and yourself, you know, you're a Rams fan, we would maybe take on a London team as a secondary team and we'll keep an eye on the results or something. But I'm not going to go and get a season ticket and go eight games and whatever do you think of which way are you leaning i think you're in the minority there are you telling uk-based fans that they can go and watch eight games of football a year and yes it'll be the team based here but then it'll be eight other teams from around the league Mm. you tell me people aren't gonna like be fighting over those season tickets um no i i would love to see it um my concern is i've said this a few times this year that with the challenges thrown up this year by COVID, which, you know, fingers crossed is a complete anomaly and we're never like anything like this again, mm. that perhaps it's raised some logistical questions that are challenging and might push it back a little bit. If you look at what's sort of happened in the Rugby League Super League, the Toronto-based team haven't been able to play this year for obvious reasons and then they're now not in the league for next season. So there is always that sort of risk when you've got an ocean to cross for games. Um, and my, my concern is this will probably have pushed it back a little bit because of the concerns mm. around that. But um, who knows? I think it's I think it would be great to have. I think a point that's been raised and I can't remember who brought this up. and I think it's a great idea is that they should keep increasing the international game to start with because people love them. And then why not have like a pro bowl or something over here? Yeah, because you've got such a range of fans here. Every team is supported and the pro bowl. Obviously, it's on Madden this year but usually it's just sort of a big party anyway and people would go crazy to see the best players yeah. by the Super Bowl teams in this country so I think maybe that's a sensible sort of next step um but first of all most importantly we want the international games back so fingers fingers crossed yeah that no. it's um later this year who knows who knows the yeah definitely fingers crossed I just I don't know I just can't I can see that people if we had an actual team that's called the London whoever, I think people would go more because it's football rather than I'm going to see because my team's Chelsea or Liverpool. or. Well, that's whatever. fine, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's... Uh, that's fine. Go and watch the I would. Like, that's... Yeah, I mean, uh, we do it as it is, I think, I guess, because whether it's the Browns against the Bills or the Chiefs and the Lions, it doesn't I mean, matter. We had... want to go at the team and see the game and that's it, don't we? And let's not pretend that we've always had brilliant games when the teams have come over here anyway. We have had some bad games of football, but people still enjoy them because yeah. they're like, that was a rubbish, rubbish game. But I was still watching it in the flesh. And that, yeah, you know. Exactly. Um, so I was going to jump back to what um, we kind of touched on earlier about women in sport and yourself being on the TV and things. But also I wanted to um, speak to you about the, that, I was going to call it that speech, the one that Jeff did at the, ti- the 
start of that overtime show with yourself and Phoebe because I've spoken to Jeff mm-hmm. about it and I've spoken to Phoebe and I thought well the next logical step is you're coming on and <laughs> speak to yourself I just thought that was brilliant from him and I said that to him personally that for you know he's watched you two mature over years but not just yourselves too just in general the amount of females that were I think NFL is maybe slightly different to other sports in that regards that it is family it's entertainment family is husbands and wives and girlfriends and daughters and nieces and whatever um you know what's your take on the the whole thing well first of all what sort of said at that beginning of that overtime um <laughs> completely took me aback and there it was just so lovely of him to sort of take the time and sort of I've known Jeff for, for a long time um sort of all through my career really um and yeah it was it was very very kind of him and then the response from other people to it when it obviously went on social media the whole week I was just all over the place because you talked earlier about the need for sort of role models and it's strange because you never see yourself as doing anything particularly impressive or surprising you're just taking the opportunities and you're doing the work um so the fact that someone kind of said that I was like oh hold on a second okay um so yeah I mean (laughs) I've never needed to get to some highlights quicker in my life I was like must we do the results (laughs) graphics can we just roll them because yeah um, I'm an emotional person so I was like damn it Jeff you you go I'll go um but I think generally I think I think the NFL is an incredible sport because you look at the the sideline reporters and you look at the the hosts on all the sort of pre-game stuff across the range of channels in the States. Um, and you look at the commentary boots as well. They've got female lead commentators, the female commentary team. Um, and it's it's incredible. And it's so inspiring. And you think, oh, and over there, they've got the advantage of, because it's such a vast country, you've got the sort of lo- super local networks and, and a clearer way for people to sort of work their way up as they go. Um, and it's incredible to see what they're, what they're doing out there. And I think if you look at the makeup of like Premier League coverage over here now, it's going that way. Like on every network, radio station, you've got so many incredible women um, involved and working in sport. And I'm very lucky that various bits I've done I've been able to work with with a fair few of them and it's um it's fantastic I it's strange isn't it because it's almost like at this point is it really still a thing is a woman talking about sports still a thing because for me in the in the bubble that I exist in it doesn't feel that extraordinary because I'm surrounded behind the scenes as well um by incredible women working in sport and it's just, an, it's, you know, day-to-day, a bit of a non-factor. Yeah. Um, it's just people doing their jobs and, and doing it well. Um, and I think within sports broadcasting, within sports and industry, it's not such a thing anymore. Obviously, there's, like, ways to go in terms of sort of coaching and that side of thing. Um, I think it's more just public perception of it. And it's, it's if you are a person, regardless of your gender, that has the knowledge, has the passion, has the work ethic then yeah, what gender you are, I think doesn't really, shouldn't come into it anymore. And I, I, I know I can say that from quite a fortunate position of, of where I've got to, and it might feel very different if you're just coming out of uni. Um, mm. But I look now at, you know, what I listen to on the radio, podcasts, what I watch, what I read, and there's a lot of incredible, there's a lot of great content being created by women. Um, Definitely. Yeah, so, definitely. I think yeah. I'm... Thanks to the ones that came before us and broke those ceilings down. That's what exactly. I say. Exactly. No, definitely. And I think as you were 
um, talking there, I'm just trying to think for myself. I'm almost at a stage of through podcast or whatever, you know, on TV and things. I think I must be at a stage where I'm virgin on the 50-50 of um, women and men because you, you've got like yourself and Kay on TV, um, the Offside Rule podcast with Haley and the girls. I love yeah. listening to that. Um, but I think a lot, of, even now, I think I've, I mean, I've personally got friends um, that would do this. And I think they would go, oh, well, that's three females on a, a podcast. What do they know? But it's not about what do they know personally for me. It's because they're journalists. So if you're a, and you're a journalist, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a goat or you're female or you're male, whatever, like you're, you can still do the job the same as the person at the desk next to you or whatever. Like. That's exactly it. If you are a journalist in any field, really, you are, you know how to do the work, you know what information you need and you will find extra information on top of that or create your own as well. Um and it's interesting, isn't it? That whole like, oh, it's always what always gets thrown at women is like, what do they know? They haven't played the sport. And like, well, by that logic, you <laughs> should never have Gary Neville talking about a team that's in the relegation zone in the Premier League. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. if that's if that's your big argument, <laughs> then you're kind of on icy ground here. Um, I remember years ago when Maggie Alfonso was in the I can't remember if it was Rugby World Cup or Six Nations Studio. Not important. See people on Twitter like oh what's she know and like mate she's won multiple world cups and grandstands she's actually got more titles than the men in the room yeah. <laughs> like she knows um and I think as well we're all watching the same sport we're all consumed like you know we're all fans of it and watching it and I think as well everyone sees things differently so the the things that I like we, we see this in overtime when we do overtime the things that Jeff pulls out of a certain play that we're looking at on the highlights and things that Josh pulls out and things I put, we all see different things. And because we're all different people and the more, yeah. the more points of view you have, the better. And um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll soon be past the point where it won't be like, Oh, you, you know what you're talking about. Of course I do. Otherwise yeah. I wouldn't be here. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the actual furore around Alex Scott getting the question of sport thing. I was like, it's not even been announced that she's got it, what? and that's got that's that's not just a woman thing. Like well, I don't re- I don't even want to go down that. No, no, I, I, really. I, I, but that's, that's not just that's not just a, a female thing, is it? There's a lot more going on there no, as well. But and I commend um, her for being that person that seems to be you know driving right through the middle of everything that might come. She's good at what she does. And she's that's brilliant. What she's absolutely brilliant. Exactly. I've... There are, and that's the thing. I love. I think. I think female pundits have such a harder job because people are always going to pick apart we saw what happened with Karen Kearney the other week people pick apart every little thing they say every male pun it's probably said something similar but they just assume it's a woman that's the hard thing it's like anything you say it's like you're saying on behalf of all women and it reflects <laughs> on all women what you do yeah. um, so I hope we will start to move away from that I mean um, I think we will it's just some a, a, a small minority of a keyboard trolls with nothing better to do. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, to sit there and go, well, she's over a hundred caps for England. She's played more, you know, one multiple FA Cups, league titles, whatever, and just go. And it was a very valid point. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, but she's, uh, you know, with 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 Alex, and um, I still get my, as I say, my friends um, that are still like, well, but she's female. She's not playing a man's game. I'm like. Mm. <laughs> it's the uh, same game guys yeah um, 
So anyway, speaking about another female I've mentioned her a couple of times is Kay Adams and she does the, the fancy football thing with yourselves on overtime. Nudge, nudge. Get, tell her to come on this podcast, please. <laughs> um, I'll try. Again, it's, I think for a long time, fantasy has been seen as um, probably a, a male thing, but it's just a game. It's it's like playing drafts or snakes and ladders or something, surely. It's just picking out numbers and you know, using stats and going, right, this is why I'm picking this, this and this. Like, why why would that opinion matter any less? Like, well, it's a game and it's also a very geeky game, isn't it, really? But it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, How did you yeah, get on this okay. year, by the way? Oh, terribly. <laughs> like, I could not. I mean, I'm very well positioned for draft picks in both my leagues next year. Um, <laughs> I, had, I do this thing, and I always do this, in that logic... And reason is saying one thing and I try and outsmart it and go, but what if? <laughs> um, and I also had some really bad luck with injuries this year. So in one league, I got Zeke Elliott. So I was like, yes, I've got Zeke. Like, this is great. My running is going to be amazing. And then he had a mildly disastrous year. And that's a league of like 14 people. So there was literally nothing no left. one available. Um, yeah, nothing on the waivers. And then the other... The other league it was actually an all-female league um a group of uk-based female nfl fans um and it was the first time we played and it was randomized draft order and i ended up quite low down the list and again there was like 12 13 of us in this league there was no good running backs i was like you know what first round i'm gonna go michael thomas build my game around him and then look at the year he had so it was very hard (laughs) to sort of come back from that and i just made some bad choices but it's fine it was still entertaining Um, and i look forward to the draft in September, August. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, with uh, how is it with with Kay being on the show? Was that was that something you wanted, or was that something that someone else came up with the idea for? Or where did that stem um, from? Well, I mean, but the part, the point of overtime from the beginning is we wanted to get voices from the states on we wanted to sort of you know have that fantasy section and, and we've got so many great contacts over the nfl network that it was like right let's get them on um so we asked if we could have Kay, and she said yes doing it every week and that was pretty awesome because she's fantastic um so yes yeah, so it was great it's been it's been so good it's it's been really nice having her on every week and obviously the fantasy season's ended so now it's more just sort of general playoff chat but she's she's great the way she reads the game and her sort of insights are, are fantastic her fantasy advice is on point as long as you follow it um, <laughs> and um yeah it's been really it's been really great as well getting to talk to her every week and sort of getting mm. to know her as well Cool. And speaking of playoffs, your team are still in it. I, I predicted you wouldn't be. Sorry. Um, I, I didn't either. It's fine. <laughs> I picked Seahawks in my Super Bowl bracket. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I've got three I got three right and three wrong this week. So we'll see how this weekend comes for the bracket. But speaking of the playoffs, your team are still in it. Are they going out this weekend or do you think you can sneak through? <sighs> I mean, that is the big question, isn't it? I mean... It's 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 a living embodiment of whether or not defense wins championships this week. I think that's what we will see. You've got top defense in the league in the rounds against the top scoring offense with Aaron Rodgers having an MVP elect sort of season and him absolutely on fire. Um, <laughs> I I just my head and heart say different things on this. I think it's <laughs> going to be. I mean, the, the, the complicating factors as well are that. 
not 100% sure who's playing starting quarterback for the Rams. I think it's likely to be Jared Goff. Mm. I personally feel that maybe John Wolford would actually be maybe the way to go because I thought he played great against the Cardinals and gives the Rams offense a completely different look and feel, which, you know, could bamboozle perhaps the uh, the Packers' defense. Um, you know, the Packers' defense is young, but it's decent. I think I think uh, this, this is kind of how I'm thinking of it. Aaron Rodgers is going to get the ball in the end zone. The, Ra- the Rams defense will make some stops. So it's just a question of whether the Rams offense will be able to score some points as mm. well. And that is the big question mark. Um, so, yeah, Whew. I I think it's likely to go the Packers way because Aaron Rodgers won't miss any opportunities he's got. You mm. know, the defense will do their job and Jalen Ramsey will be breaking up passes, I'm sure, and making a long ball a, a difficult option for him. But it's just a question of whether the Rams offense can keep up scoring wise because Rogers will always find a way. So um I'm not looking forward to it. I'm glad it's the first game of divisional round weekend because yeah. it means it's out of the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's at a good um, time as well. Exactly, exactly. It's complicated matters. My partner is a Packers fan, so it's going to be tense times. Ah. <laughs> very tense times. Um, one of us will be very smug and, and bragging for some time, and I, I think it may be him. <laughs> <laughs> I would say give the ball to Cam because I think he could run up the, the gut of that defence all day, but right. I think it might become a point that you've just got, you're behind and you need to throw. So. Uh, this is the thing, and Kamek has had such a great game last week, and it amazed me how long it took. It wasn't until the fourth quarter, really, that the Seattle defense managed to kind of stop him and, and hold him to, to very little yardage on, on each run. So I think he's going to be key. Um, but, oh, but you've also got Aaron Jones as well for the Packers, and he can do the job on the ground. So it's a really intriguing one. I do think the Packers have the edge. Just yeah. I've got them. Their quarterback. I've got them going all the way in in the bracket so far. Um, even though there's something about the Packers, I just think as often they're a bit of a fraud team somehow. But I, well, that often gets thrown at them, doesn't it? Because I mean, this time last year, everyone was like, "How are they a thirteen and three team?" And I think, I think it kind of maybe has to do with the fact like their defense is quite young. Um, beyond you know Devontae Adams, they haven't got that sort of superstar receiver for Aaron Rodgers and they didn't draft one um but then when you look at what Matt LaFleur has actually done there in two years I think their regular season record it's what 26 and 6 or 23 and 6 or something across two years it's an outstanding record for two years in your first um head coach role so I think we need just I think we need to stop saying are they the real deal because I think they might be (laughs) so Jay do you think they've they could go on to the Super Bowl and it'll be the Chiefs that would be the one that comes up against them or can you see someone knocking the Chiefs off in the AFC? <sighs> the only people I can see knocking the Chiefs off in the AFC are potentially the Bills and that's not so much because I think the Bills' defence could stop Patrick Mahomes because I think he's almost impossible to stop but I think the Bills' offence is one of the few teams that could keep up in a, yeah. in a in a in an offensive battle, Just I think the Bills will make <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and I would I quite like to see the Bills do it because I love the way that Bills team is playing, um, big time. And I love Josh Allen. I think he's like I think he's just he's just his improvement over three years is sensational, and I think he's great to watch. And I think he'll be entertaining us for some years to come. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean they're the only team I can see stopping the Chiefs. Um, but you know they play the Ravens this weekend, and that's 
I think possibly the tastiest matchup of the weekend um, with both those teams sort of really on fire at the right time. Um, it's funny with Super Bowl bracket that we did an overtime last week. I actually have Tampa Bay going all the way in the NFC. And this is purely because I just have this. I just, when we, we have to do them like the Monday after the last round of games, we have to do it super early to make telly, which is frustrating, but not an excuse. I just have this Brady feeling because it's just so classic Tom Brady, isn't it? Starts shaky, but he never has a good start to the season. Then they sign Antonio Brown. He has a bad November. And then in December, you're like, okay, this is how he won six Super Bowls. Yeah. <laughs> you look at how they played, um, admi- admittedly, against Washington, but you think he's spoiled for choice when it comes to receivers. I was really skeptical of the whole Antonio Brown signing anyway, because to start with, I was like, why do you need him when you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, Scotty Miller, who was having a great first yeah. um, first bit of the season and kind of has to fall by the wayside. Um, you've got Gronkowski as well. You know, why? Okay, that's why you need him. See, yeah, like the first, he, last couple he is of weeks. awesome. Tom Brady, Tom Brady obviously loves him and is very com- comfortable throwing the ball to him. Um, and there's just something about the fact that it would be classic Brady to go to a new team after 20 whatever years of the Patriots um, and be the first team to play in a home Super Bowl. Like that is peak Tom Brady to me. <laughs> so, I, so I had them in my bracket. Um, but yeah, I do like the Packers. So I don't know. I don't know. This is why I love this time of year. It's impossible to predict. I don't know why we even do it to ourselves because no. it's just entertaining. And this weekend, this is the best weekend of football, I think, in the whole calendar because you've got the best teams left. You've got a nicely consumable two games a day because, I mean, what Super Wild Card weekend was fun, but my goodness, she got a bit stir-crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Six games of football in that amount of time. Um, so, yeah, th- that this is this is why we love it and then next week it just gets far too stressful i think <laughs> Division round is, is the round <laughs> yeah um so you've you've mentioned um ex-patriots players there so you know, we're on a patriots podcast if people have forgotten of course. after all this time <laughs> they've just been chatting about random nonsense sorry <laughs> uh, no no it's fine that's what um it's what it's great just chatting um various bits and bobs that's why i don't I, I love not scripting these things because you can just go whatever you want with that sort of thing and so yeah we will talk a little bit of patriots before i let you go it's been a bit of a crap season to say the least um even an 88 or sort of nine seven winning record would have been fine but it, it didn't occur um brady's left the building there's no Gronk anymore. He decided to retire and then unretire. There's no Brown, as you've met. He's at the Bucks as well. We didn't have it for very long, though. I don't think he could no. put it on not having Antonio Brown. No, definitely not. He's he he definitely split the vote, shall we say, at the time because mm. of the off-field issues that are still unresolved at the moment. Um, where do you think they go from here? Where do you think they'll get a? a draft quarterback a veteran quarterback do you think the quarterbacks maybe still he's maybe slightly left the building but you know do you think Stidham they might go down that route to save some money or well I mean I don't first of all I don't think the Patriots need to save some money I think you've got about what 60 million dollars or so worth of second best cap I think yeah you're in a really good position sort of financially I mean I think You've got what number fifteen draft pick as well. So it's the thing is, Bill Belichick has never been someone that's a slave to draft picks. 
Um, and I doubt they would be drafting someone this spring to be their starting quarterback come September. I can't, yeah. I just can't see that. Um, I think there were, a, there were some really interesting quarterbacks who were going to be eligible for sort of free agency. Um, Dak Prescott, although I can't see the Cowboys letting him go. Um, Philip Rivers, but would you want him after this season with the Colts, which is you know fairly underwhelming, I would say. Um, Matt Ryan, maybe. Um, Matt Stafford is someone you're seeing floated around a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he's... I think he's suffered because of bigger issues within the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could maybe be a, a good a good stop back quarterback. Um, there's whispers that Jimmy G might not be the most popular man in 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 San Francisco. But kind of for me, I think do what is obvious. Bill Belichick obviously likes Cam Newton. You didn't have the best year, but that was not all on Cam Newton. Yeah, he, you know didn't make great passes or this, that, and the other. But if you actually look at offensive output for the Patriots, ignoring how he achieved it, but it wasn't that dissimilar to 2019 because Brady didn't have a good year last year. Mm. Um, so I think it, it's not just on the quarterback. I think there's much bigger problems that you, you need a number one tight end because you need more production from your tight end. The defense is very much been in decline, I think, over the past couple of seasons. And for a Belichick team, that's concerning. Um, so, I mean... Honestly, I, I'll put this out there now. I'm a Cam Newton fan. I think he's great. I think he isn't where he was five years ago, but who is? Um, but I think why not stick with him for another year, draft or trade for a younger quarterback or, or something, and then start bringing them through? I think as a stopgap, you could do a lot worse than, mm-hmm. than Cam Newton. If you improve the stuff around him, um, you can get back to that at least, you know, <laughs> eight and eight record. Yeah. Um, or be slightly different next year, won't it? Because it's 17 games at the end. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so I, Jax didn't, I think did not do enough to warrant being the guy at the start of next season. I would definitely lean Cam Newton over him or yeah, or they may be bringing, I think, I think it'll be a veteran quarterback in Patriots next year, at least in a holding pattern while you fix those bigger problems. You think yeah. Julian Edelman might be, might be close to retiring. Edwanti Harris might be close to retiring. There's, there is, there are a lot bigger problems than just quarterback and the defense, I think is probably Bill Belichick's biggest concern because that's, that's his thing. Yeah. That run game has been shocking for a couple of years, um, unfortunately. And to, to put a little spanner in your theory there, Hannah, is your friend Jeff has said he's done as a he thinks Cam Newton's done. Um, so I've, he I've, might be, he may be, well I, be. I don't know. I'm, but I'm, I think, I think what you've seen, I think what, or what I've seen is there's a lot of respect between Cam Newton and Bill Belichick. So I would, I would be hesitant to write it off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I would be very surprised, and I'm always happy to be wrong, if they had Jarrett Stidham as their starting quarterback over Cam Newton, personally. Because mm. mm. I think what I think what Cam Newton did give the Patriots was that running quarterback that they just didn't have ever yeah. previously. No, um, and that's the way the league is going. So I think, I don't know. But like I say, I think there's, there's some interesting veteran quarterbacks that will be available on yeah. free agency or for trade. And I think that's possibly the way so if you think if you bring someone like Matthew Stafford who's what 33 you're going to have a few good years of him in, in a better sort of setup yeah he might do he might do the business while you bring a younger quarterback through 
I think Stafford might be the route to go because it would suit the McDaniels playbook a lot more than what Cam Newton did this year. And I think a lot of people are of the same consensus that it was more a Brady playbook using a running quarterback rather than actually molding something that fitted what Cam did. And I think that's where Cam's deficiencies showed up a lot more than they maybe would have if they'd kind of played these strengths a bit more um, in that respect. And by that, I mean, whether that's because he never had a tight end like Greg Olson next to him that helped with the running game and you know pass catching and stuff. I, I don't know. But I think to second guess Belichick would be to like second guess your fantasy because if we I all learn the hard way on that, never exactly. football. <laughs> if we all overthink it, then we just end up with absolute crap nonsense that gets us nowhere. <laughs> but it still astounds me that the rest of the league allowed the Patriots to sign Cam Newton anyway. Yes, he didn't have the breakout year, but I think, you know, he's a he's a quarterback that still has got some talent there and still has got something to add to a to an organization. So I just it's such a cheap deal as well. Just... So cheap. I mean he would cost if the Patriots to re-sign him, they're not going to get him that cheap. No. They're going to have to pay him a lot more. So that that might be why they don't want to. I think what's interesting as well is Patriots have never paid the quarterback big money, have they? Yeah. Like Tom Brady was never one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Helps when you've got like the world's highest paid supermodel as a wife, so you don't need to be the breadwinner. Um, <laughs> so it'd be very unpatriots to go and pay a quarterback a load of money and eat up that cap space with a quarterback because their method has always been build the team, balance the team. Yeah. Um, and and you know that's that's where they reap the rewards. So who knows? You can do a lot of balancing with that money that they'll have this off season. That's for sure. Yeah, what what a position to be in. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time for today. So thank you very very much um, for doing this. It's very very much appreciated. Thank you for being a face of the NFL in the UK, um, and thank you for all that you do in general. But before I let you go, where can people come and interact with you on social media and the links? I am on Twitter and Instagram and now Clubhouse, which is brand new and I don't really know what it is, but I'm on there, as Hannah J. Wilkes across all platforms. And of course, NFL Overtime is every Tuesday at nine on Sky Sports NFL and Rise With Us um, goes out Tuesdays at eight on Sky Sports Mix and it's also available on demand, YouTube and as a podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So we get two hours of Hannah every Tuesday night, essentially. You swap channels. Everyone's dream, <laughs> apart from my partner's, it's his worst nightmare of two hours of me on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much again. And for everyone um, listening, if you're not already familiar, you can catch myself at Matt Dinkster on Twitter, um, at Pat's Chat for the Instagram and Twitter for the podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. And remember to tell everyone um, word of mouth is just as good as sticking a five-star review on podcasts in my opinion and thanks again hannah and again we'll um maybe get you back on at some point in the future hopefully um fingers crossed your rams do well this weekend but i think we're both predicting otherwise by the by the sound of it cross Um, everything and just hope but hey it'll be a great game either way thanks yeah thanks and uh, we'll speak soon guys cheers bye